When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Kings fans? If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. All the frustration and disappointment of the past is gone. The 45-year drought is over. The Los Angeles Kings are indeed the kings of the National Hockey League. They are the 2012 Stanley Cup champions. Cleared away by the Kings, picked up by Martinez. Martinez to Clifford, feeds it right side to Foley with a shot. Save, rebound, score! Alec Martinez has won the Stanley Cup for the Los Angeles Kings. And royalty reigns again in the NHL. Welcome into Hockey Royalty. Can you smell what we are cooking, boys? It is hockey season. Camp has started. The big boys are in town here, and we got a lot of content for you guys. This is the Hockey Royalty. You guys can find us at HockeyRoyalty.com or at Hockey underscore Royalty. What's going up, fellas? we got Scott, Joe, and Russell in the chat. How's everybody doing? Very good. Very good. Ready to go. How you doing, Rando? I'm doing fantastic, man. I got a fresh cut today, you know. (laughs) Jave. To, to get you going, and I got a glass of scotch in my hand, so I can't really can't really uh, mess up about that. And hockey's here. We got camp to talk about. Uh, you know, in case anybody doesn't know, we're doing the ten questions coming into the season, so we got a lot of stuff going on here. Uh, before, let's just kind of like let's get a little everything a little loose here and do a little would you rather. So, if you could only drink water for an entire year, no other beverage, and eat whatever you want, or drink whatever you want, but take your you could you have to take your favorite food away for a year. What would you guys do? Drink whatever Ooh. the hell I want. Yeah, yeah I, I think I'll stop there. I could not take away food. So, really? so you're just like, so yeah, I'll do. I'll you just punish water all all year yep. and I, then if drink. You took if you had to take. I had now. I got to flip a coin if it's going to be chicken parm or pizza. But if you had to take one of those away, I got no shot. I'm not. You just take, take away all the Italian and you, you can drink whatever you want. It. No, no, you're not going to make it, huh, Joe? <laughs> Joe is not going to make it with the red sauce. <laughs> I need the what, carbs, man. I need the yeah. carbs. Yeah. What about you, Scott? You said you're going to drink whatever you want. So, oh, yeah. So, hey, that's, what is, that, absolutely. What is your favorite food? 
My favorite food? Uh, yeah. You know what? I just really don't have one off the top of my head. So that's why it's so much easier to say, I'm going to drink beer every single day until I can possibly not drink anymore. <laughs> so, so much, about, hey, I'm getting my calories and my carbs. I'm good. I, I feel you. What about you, Russ? Ooh, yeah. I think uh, I'd probably have to be able to drink whatever I could. I mean, yeah, I think I'd go that way. My favorite food is uh, I'm just a, I'm a Mexican food guy. Southern California has got some of the best Mexican food out here. So, that'd be tough. That no be chips tough. and salsa, yeah. no tacos. No that would, that'd be a little that tough. That would be tough. That would be tough. <laughs> well, you know what else was tough was was not being able to be there live for the rookie tournament. But Russell was there, and so we got a we got an insider here for hockey royalty. You know, I know you wrote a couple articles about it, and you had some you know standouts there with Turcotte and Chromiak and everything like that. But just kind of give you kind of give us your uh, gut feeling on how the tournament went. Where, who are the standouts and why? And and like, what was your feeling after the tournament going into camp? Yeah, I mean, all in all, I think we all kind of expected the Kings to fare well with the amount of prospects, the talented prospects that they had going out there. And I think overall, it was a pretty good showing from uh, the whole group in general. I mean, going two and one, uh, losing just the game that they had a, a played a game just previously the night before. And then going back to play at 11 a.m. the next day, I'm sure it was kind of probably expected that the energy level wouldn't be as high. Um, and even John Robuski, he even mentioned that the night before. So um, as far as standouts, I think Alex Turcotte was one of the uh, better players overall throughout the weekend. And I had mentioned him as possibly being, I guess, the most NHL-ready prospect from the weekend. And, and that's kind of what I kind of – uh, figured or saw throughout the weekend he was in on pucks um and, and and the thing that the reason i say i think i could see him with the king's roster um sooner rather than later is that just because of his versatility i mean he's not just a scorer he's not just a centerman he's he's able to play all types of positions and that's what he was doing in ontario last season and i think he can bring out to the nhl level so i was i was happy with what i saw from him and and the overall group as a whole yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, I've saw from many people saying that Turcotte stood out and not for the reasons that you would think, you know, like you, when you see people standing out, it's for flashy goals and this and that kind of stuff. But what Joe and I have been saying on the rain podcast is like, you got to get ice time first. And he does a lot of those things, the small things well, for checking, back checking, getting that stuff off the boards to where he could lend himself to a bottom six role and get him more ice time among the Kings. Um, you know, is that kind of stuff that you were talking about? Yeah, exactly. And then that's kind of where we see the Kings uh, lineup right now. I mean, there's not a lot of room for, let's say, the first the first or second line or even the third line center role. So, I mean, really the only battle for, for a fourth line or the only battle for the center position is at the fourth line. So, I mean, that's something I can see definitely Alex Turcotte maybe even vying for. I mean, we think about Jared Anderson Dolan or Blake Lazat maybe taking over that position, but with his versatility, I can definitely see him um, playing that fourth line position or even on the center or even on the wing if needed. Scott, I mean, I know you've uh, checked in and out. We kind of talk all the time on, on our group chat there. What was kind of some of your standouts there from the rookie tournament or the rookie faceoff? And, uh, you know, do you expect uh, that to carry through to camp? Well, first of all, I want to kind of piggyback on what Ross was saying about Turcotte. Uh, you know what? Let's face it. Turcotte is going to be coming into this season with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. And I say that because – Let's be real. I mean, he's been kind of hearing it as of late, right? Number five overall pick, where is he? When can we expect him to be in L.A.? And not only that, he's watched his his U.S. NTDP teammates, uh, uh, Cole Caulfield and Trevor Zegras, kind of, I don't want to say move past him, but right now they are. And so I'm sure that's got to be weighing on his mind a little bit, and there's no doubt that the talent is there with Turcotte. 
not a doubt in my mind and where anybody else is, but he's been a little bit slower to come along. So I'm sure this season he's going to want to definitely prove something. There's no doubt about that. So I would definitely expect to see him in LA by Christmas at the latest, to be perfectly honest with you. Now, as far as other stands, I mean, I'll tell you, Sean Dursey looked good. He he really did. Mm-hmm. And and here's a guy again. He we talked about this on Hockey Royalty. He's got nothing to lose. He really doesn't. Because let's face it, nobody was expecting Sean Dursey to be on the opening night roster, right? Nobody. But I don't believe that he's waiver eligible anymore. So they're gonna he's gonna have to pass through waivers to get sent back down to Ontario. So you know what? In Sean Dursey's mind, and I can't blame the kid for this one bit, he's got to be thinking to himself, hey, I am going to play my heart out in this tournament, and I'm going to play my heart out at camp. And you know what? If it's not good enough for me to get on the main roster in L.A., so be it. But maybe somebody else will take notice of this, and he gets picked up by somebody. And you know what? If that's the way it is, that's the way it is. I mean, you just want to see the kid get some playing time somewhere. I hate to lose him. I hate to see him somewhere else, but that's that's got to be his attitude going forward, and I can't blame him. Yeah, well, we had a lot of prospects going in. He was the oldest player at the tournament, obviously the most seasoned. Uh, he was kind of the afterthought of that trade with Toronto, uh, with Grunstrom and the second-round pick coming over. So I think he's kind of flown by the wayside, but Joe really likes Dursey. You know, uh, he wanted him to make a point. And, you know, it's it wasn't like Kings fans were too attached, I felt, to a lot of the right side of the defense because Strand played, what, eight good games last year? And a lot of people were like, oh, he should be on the roster for the whole season. So if, if, if Jersey can make a statement, you know, what does that mean for him, Joe? Well, I, I, yeah, you heard me talk about Jersey on the last pod, and I, I wrote up <clears throat> as part of the player previews that I've been doing for the Ontario Reign, singing his praises. I mean, he brings he brings a really smooth skating. He's a good puck mover, um, you know. And listen, if he, he's coming off a good rookie camp where he was the oldest player in the tournament, but if he comes in as a good camp and he starts to, to, you know, make some decisions that much tougher for, for Blake and company, then Hey, good on him. And, and so be it. But he's a joy to watch skate. I'm a big fan of his, as you know. Um, so I, I'm excited to see what he can do in camp, but I will say one of the players that, that I liked that I was really keen on watching this weekend was Jordan Spence. Uh, I did the player preview on him and, my questions coming into this offseason, really the season in general for him, is his skating. Can he take that next level as he gets up to the American Hockey League and the professional level? How is his skating adapted? And I thought he looked very good over the weekend, um, and particularly playing – he played the left side for pretty much the entire weekend, I think, Russ, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So that was really good to see for me from, from Spence. Yeah, we, we talked about that. It's like there was a lot of right-shot defensemen in the organization – you know, Helgi Grons had a good uh, good face-off. And who's going to be the skater like Clegg that's going to be able to play both sides, not only for the rain, and we might see that for Clegg and on the Kings, you know, but there's a lot of little prospects that the versatility might help them get some ice time. And that's where we're going to go straight into our 10 questions here with the prospects. Which prospects, if any, will make the roster? And if so, who will be sent down? Let's start with Russell. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably have to start off with Alex Turcott. I think he's probably right now the most NHL ready as far as all the other players. I mean, there's another other player, I would say maybe Arthur Kaliev. But I mean, if you're looking at a player like Kaliev, he's more of the top six type of NHL player. And that's kind of that top six for the LA Kings right now is almost solidified. So, I mean, at the moment, if you're looking at battles in the bottom six, Alex Turcott, his name should be up there. I mean, if he's going to possibly beat out, let's say maybe even Blake Lazat, who's only got one year on his deal um 
Austin Wagner, who a lot of Kings draws the ire of a lot of Kings fans, unfortunately, but, and then, or even like maybe uh, Jared Anderson Dolan, who maybe I've heard could be possibly sent back down. So who knows? I mean, he's a fifth overall pick and just a couple years ago. And like Scott mentioned, there's, there's players from that draft round a year that have excelled already in the NHL. So he's probably got a little bit of pressure on him. So I'm sure he's looking to make a statement in this training camp. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one there. I, I know with the top overall, you know, top five overall pick that has to be winning on you. And like we said, he does a lot of things well. What do you think, Joe? What, who do you think would uh, push the, the button for uh, Todd McClellan? So I think it's a really good point Russ makes with Turcotte and being able to shift in and playing more of a bottom six role because the player I'm going to go with is Arthur Kaliev. And I agree with Russ that he, if you're bringing Kaliev in, you're probably not playing him in the bottom six. You're playing him in a top six role with a playmaker because he brings an element that they really don't have. The elite shooter, the elite sniper with the shot that he has. That said, I have said numerous times and I get the sense I'm probably in the minority that I, I, or maybe it is set. I just don't think it's good enough. I don't think you can, have all three, in my opinion, of Brown, Ayafalo, and Kempe as top six wingers. Now, whether how that shakes out, we'll see. But I think Kalia brings an element that the Kings don't have and that they need in that top six. So he's he would be my pick. Scott, what do you think about uh, Joe's pick, and who are you going to go with? So I totally agree with Joe. Um, we've talked about this on Hockey Royalty before, that sending Arthur Kalia back down to Ontario this season does absolutely nothing. He, he proved that he can be a decent defensive player last year. He's not going to be a Selkie Trophy winner. That's not Arthur Kaliev, right? Arthur Kaliev shoots the puck. And what do the Kings desperately need right now? They need somebody to shoot the darn puck. And I'm watching my mouth here. I'm trying to be a good boy, right? <laughs> let's, let's get a couple more beers in you. I'm working on that, trust me. <laughs> but the guy that I think is going to come out of training camp and make the L.A. roster is going to be Quentin Byfield. We, Russ and I have gone back and forth on all this. I mean, this is, you know, almost gotten comical, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. Quentin Byfield proved that he can hang in the AHL. He proved it. You know, he didn't need to be, win the scoring title down there to prove that. In the six games that he played in L.A., no, he didn't put up a lot of points. But you know what? He looked good. He looked comfortable. He looked like he can play in the NHL. So, yes, I know his contract is still slide eligible. Yes, I know he doesn't have to clear waivers, but you know what? With the kind of talent that Quentin Byfield has, his body is physically ready for the NHL. The next step for this kid is to be in the NHL, to be under guys like Anze Kopitar, Philip Deneau, learn the center position from those two, which is training he's not going to get in the AHL. And you know what? He's going. He's 19 years old, so there are plenty of 19-year-olds that have played in the NHL, and it hasn't adversely affected them. I mean, Dennis Bernstein said it best. Look at what Kirby Doc did in his rookie year with the Chicago Blackhawks, which is the same exact situation that should happen with Quentin Byfield, in my opinion, right? Put him in at the third-line center. He's not going to have to face the Connor McDavid's. He doesn't have to face Leon Dreisaitl, okay? He's going to be a third-liner. Let him get his feet wet. And as the season progresses, well, then maybe now you can start moving, and especially with injuries, because, you know, crazy things happen throughout the season. It, it never goes as planned, right? But Putting Quentin Byfield back down in the AHL does nothing for his development. He needs, at this point, to be against the best competition that there is. And the sooner that they get that done, the sooner this kid is going to take more and more steps towards being a superstar, which I think he's going to be. But my guy is Quentin Byfield. I think that's the obvious choice for a lot of people and a lot of fans. And I think I'm going to go with a different direction. And so I'm glad we all got, you know, four different players. That's how deep the prospect pool is. 
But I'm going to go with Rasmus Kupari. And the reason and the reason being is he showed he had a lot of confidence bringing up. He's had the most seasons in the A for our, our all of our first-round picks. Um, you know, he did play seven games last year, looked the part as well. Um, I think he had a he had a better season in the AHL than Quentin Byfield did, and I am not by a lot, 0.72 points per game versus 0.63. But what stands out to me and and what the problem was with Velarde at the two C was in the dot. If you look at the the limited time in the NHL, uh, Velarde was 53.9 percent from the dot, and and Byfield was only 39 percent, and Velarde was less than 50 percent as well. So if you can get Kopitar, Deneau and Kupari at the dot, all slapping and taking the puck away at over 50%, that leads to more Corsi, more goals for, more all that kind of stuff that you want to do with the advanced analytics, Russell, to for our <laughs> team, and it benefits us. Now, obviously, we don't know the the trajectory of what the offseason did. I know a lot of people said that Byfield looked good in the circle. He looked more tenacious than he did last year at the rookie camp, and, and camp will tell. But if you see what happened last year already against pros on the third line, Kupari was the guy. And then you, he's okay with playing wing. He can move over as soon as you're ready. And like you, if you have Kupari and maybe Velarde as the third wing uh, right wing or third line right wing to start the season, it, it could be something that you're getting a prospect who's earned it in the AHL, has proven it. And then with the third and fourth line, you want them to win faceoffs. He's doing that already at a 50% clip. So I think he's the kind of guy that you're looking for. It's not a flashy character. I think he's kind of went under the wayside for our first round picks, but he's done everything right on every single level that you've asked him to do from, from Liga through the AHL. And I think he'd be way farther along if he did injure himself. I think he, we would have already seen him last year for over 20 games if he didn't injure himself in the world junior tournament. So that's who I would have went with. I don't know what you guys think about it, if anybody wants to comment on that. Let me ask you a question. Does he stay at center? I think that he's one of those guys that you that uh, would be viable in both aspects. And I don't think he will eventually long term. I think he'll be a winger because I like the way that his skating lends itself to the boards. Like he's a very good straight line skater. He has those edge mentalities that where you could kind of push the puck up the board and 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 the center of the ice at the same time. And he's working on a shot. So he's not trying to be too fancy anymore like he was in Liga uh, Liga and juniors. I think he doesn't stay in center. I think he starts the season there. And I think you could see a lot of players like like uh, Jad and Kapari start at center and move to wing, just like we saw Trevor Lewis later on in his career do the same thing where he was a center his whole life and moved because he can still push the puck up. He's decent defensively. He had a plus minus is in a lot of people's favorite stat, but he did have a positive where a lot of people in the rain did not last year uh, with how many goals they lit up. So that's just kind of my mentality for that. I think if Kapari's a center, it's probably not with the Kings. I mean, if right. we're being, like with Kopitar, Deneau, and Byfield, I mean, Velarde's already there. I Chad. Love, yeah, I mean, I love Kapari, and I'd love to see him move to the wing. I think, I mean, what we're doing here with, with all this offseason is it's a big guessing game because we know there's going to be some bodies that are eventually moved out at some point, just a matter of who. Um and if Kapari, I think if he's going to be a center, it'll probably be for a different organization just because the amount of guys around him. But I hope he stays. I hope he excels as a winger because I'm a big fan of his. Nothing yeah. from Russell, but I know he'll have something to say about this next topic here. Uh, oh, yeah. So what <laughs> What are you waiting? Yeah, I know. He's like, I got I got stats for days. Why don't you just like, go get another He's like, guys, shut him up out there. Get to the Come next back one. in 25 minutes. <laughs> uh, so Vladimir Thatchkev, what are your expectations? Where do you see him fitting in? 
Uh, and ultimately, you know, what do you expect from him coming out of camp? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, you guys all know my expectations from him. I think he's the most viable Calder candidate on the Kings this coming season. I mean, and it, I mean, I, I was just at training camp for the first day today, and just to see him being paired with Dano and uh, Ayafalo, that was uh, really surprising to me because I didn't think that they'd actually thrust him into that position. Um, obviously, it's the first day of camp, and even Todd McClellan mentioned that we shouldn't really take any, or we should really take it with a grain of salt. But just to kind of see him out there for the first time and to see his skill, it, it, you can see it, it's really apparent his offensive ability, the way he is able to pass the puck, the saucers that he's given. The, he's got a pretty good shot for his size. I mean, he's been playing with pros for a couple of years now, and the Kings have have been scouting him for two years now for and it's for there's a for a good reason he's a, he's a good player so if he's given the opportunity to play on a scoring line with you have to who's got that play driving capability and then you have Ayafalo who's willing to go in the corners and get the puck then you can get it to catch up and then have him do some setup and do some playmaking and see what happens so I'm really excited for what this kid can bring and um, I'm, I'm expecting some big things so I don't I'm hoping I'm not putting a lot of pressure on him but I think I'm I'm really excited yeah, I would say my hope is certainly higher than my expectation. I because I, I just haven't seen enough of them to have a really good feel for it. But what's kind of nice is with the Kings roster the way it is, and whoever plays third line center, Byfield, Filardi, Kupari, pick your poison. In theory, you could have him play on the wing with one of those centers who are skilled offensive centers and still be somewhat of a you know a creative player on a creative line. So that's what's kind of exciting. Um, but I, to Russ's point, even though it is the first day of camp, to see him even get a look and sprinkled in on that second line, or, you know, second line, as if you will, uh, mm-hmm. is 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 interesting. And I'd be interested to see how the rest of camp goes. But I'd be lying if I said I knew a lot about the kid. But there's no doubt my hopes are high. That's for sure. What do you think, Scott? Well, here's what I think is that by the, the sounds of things, um, I mean, I – I hope it works out for him. I mean, if, if we listen to Russ, he's going to be the Calder Trophy winner in an all-star, all wrapped in one. There's no doubt about it. I hope so. That's right. I hope he's right. That would be awesome. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I think that, you know, at some point we probably shouldn't be getting too attached to anybody right now because let's face it, there's too many, especially at the forward position. And whether it's at the end of training, because don't forget too, they're going to have to put some players on waivers. They have to. Because you're, you're not going to get everybody down to Ontario. It's simply not going to happen. Yeah. But so that kind of, like I said, I think he tops out as a second-line player, to be honest with you, which is not a bad thing at all to top out at. But where does that leave guys like Turcotte, Kapari? You know, the, the, I mean, because you can't have all skilled players throughout the lineup. You can't do it. I mean, look, ask the Tampa Bay Lightning how many, how many times they tried that. And I'm not comparing the Kings to the Lightning. What I'm saying is, at some point, you have to start filtering out. And so, it, I, like I said, I think that it's, it's a great thing to have, and it's a one-year contract. So if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I just think, I think the, the, you know, the sediment for that is, is make the prospects earn it. And obviously, Vlad's got to earn it himself. Uh, you know, like, but everybody's like, oh, where are these guys going to fit? Where are we going to do? Well, let's cross that bridge when it comes to it. Like if, if Byfield is pushing for time, if Turcotte's like, dude, I need top six minutes because he's dominating. Like then, then we cross that bridge where it comes to it, where I see 
where I see Vlad is that he's almost a point per game player in the second best league in the United in the world. He's got vast skill that none of our players have, you know, and he's doing things at a league that that is very high end. And so we don't have this kind of player on the Kings already. We have it in our organization, possibly, you know, with like Tyler Madden and, and a couple of these other guys that are that are very skilled playmakers that have good hands. But why not throw them in there? And I and I, and this is what I was hoping for. And I know it's camp, but I was hoping for them to pair him with a with a with Dano or Kopitar right off the get. Like, hey, let's throw this guy in the deep end right away. Let's get the honest opinion of guys that we know are going to be in our top six if he's valid for the top six. Because, yeah. because they're going to give him, they're going to give T Mac their opinion. They're going to give Rob Blake their opinion. You know, you know, Kopitar's not going to shy away from like, hey, like he said, I like playing with Iafalo. I like playing with a Brown. So he's hasn't been shy about who his line mates will be. And Dowdy doesn't stop talking. So like he'll be <laughs> he'll he'll earn his he'll he'll earn his spot. And I'm glad it's not like, oh, you're yeah, here, play on a fourth line with some center that's not going to make the team and earn your way there. Like, okay, your stats speak for themselves in the KHL. Let's give you that chance, every possibility right out of the gate and see where it goes. Because there's no difference with any other player. If he plays 10 games on the second line, just like Mata did on the first line and Mata failed, then they move him down. If he doesn't, then he's then he's great and good. We have a second line winger that can that can play make. That's just my opinion on it. Yeah, another and situation he, where I can see him actually helping is what we haven't mentioned is the power play. He's, he was always known to be a power play specialist in the KHL. So now that we have more offensive type players who can generate more chances in the power play. That's just only going to help us even further. I mean, you look at what the second power play unit was made up of at some points last year. Sometimes you had Matt Roy on it. Who, If you talk to some people, he's not really an offensive type player. So, I mean, I think if you just add to that, as far as his skill set, that's just only going to bolster his chances at making the team and then making an impact as well this season. Scott. I think that's a great point. Um, There, there, yeah, there's, there's definitely something to be said for that. Um, Of course, we're, we're starting to get to the point now, right? Because obviously I think Gabe Velarde ends up moving to the wing. I don't really see him being at center too much longer. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all, but it's kind of funny where the Kings are all of a sudden they have playmaking center or wingers, right? (laughs) And then, and the centers are, are basically told, well, you, you guys worry about the defensive end. Our wingers are going to be our playmakers, okay? <laughs> well, I mean, we were starting to get to what uh, what I've known a lot of people say called helicopter lines, right? So no wings. Like, we just, we're all a bunch of centers there. We got no wings. So, but for a lot of people who don't know who Vlad is, you know, maybe a first-time listener, played for SKA over a, uh, almost a point per game. And SKA is one of the best teams in, in Russian hockey, and he was producing at a high level. So, you know... Does the Russian experiment always work? No. Should we be very hopeful? I think so, is what, mm-hmm. is what my opinion is on it. You know, so moving to the third question here uh, for, for, for our boys, uh, you know, our boy Cal Peterson just got that fat new contract, three years, five AAV coming out. I know there's, you know, signing bonuses and everything like that. What does this contract mean? And then what does the split look like be, uh, between him and Quick this year? Uh, we'll start with Joe this time. Um, what the contract means, and I, I kind of said this, uh, I think on the last episode, I was just kind of thinking out loud, they better be right with, with Cal Peterson and which I'll, I'll put it out there that I, I think they are. He looks the part so far. He hasn't shown anything to say he's not, but there's nothing behind him right now. But so they're obviously making the investment in him. So they better be right. First of all, 
Uh, and two, what the split is, is this has got to be, this is I no more 1A, 1B or, or sharing. This is a distinct, Cal Peterson is one, Quick is two. We have to get to that point. Um, I think as fans, especially, and I guess I'll, I won't speak for you guys, but, um, you know, we, we are, we, this core of, of Dowdy, Brown, Kopitar, Quick, they kind of, Stanley Cups and all that stuff and the success and, and from where they were before to to where they gotten to, this is going to come to an end at some point. We have to kind of put that aside for a second. And Quick right now uh, is the first one that is kind of in a position that we're prepared to move on to the next guy, right? Kopitar is still playing at a high level. Brown, uh, Dowdy still playing at a high level. Quick is not the same goalie that he was a few years back. Cal Peterson is ahead of him, in my opinion. And this has to be a very clear one, two. Now, whether that means it's 65, 35, 70, 30, I know we see two goalies playing a lot more these days um, in the NHL. So however the Kings determine that split, it's got to lean heavily Cal Peterson in my mind. What do you think, Scott? Uh, you know what, Joe, you bring up a great point when you say there's nobody behind them. And I'm going to tell you something. I love this deal for both the Kings and Cal Peterson. Uh, for one thing, it sends the clear message to Cal that, okay, you are our number one goalie. You're the guy. And you're right, Joe. Who else is coming through the system that's even going to remotely threaten him for the next four years? Nobody. I mean, let's be honest, right? I mean, maybe maybe Valalta, maybe Ingham, maybe even Locus Perico sneak up there and maybe snag the backup spot when Quickie retires. But I, as far as anybody that's threatening him, as, as far as a starter goes, don't worry about it. It's not going to happen. And some people are – I've seen people complaining that $5 million a year is too much for him. Well, guess what? Welcome to the modern NHL. That's the going rate for a starting NHL goalie right now. That's it. And you've got him locked up for four years because he's still playing this year. At, what is it? Eight hundred ninety-eight thousand or something for his. I'd ADB. be more concerned, Scott, if that was like a if that was like a seven-year deal. A seven right. Year well, right. exactly. And you know, here's another point too. You know, and it, and it goes right back to the money again because they're like, oh well, by God, you know, Quick's making five point eight million for this season and next season. Now you got Cal Peterson going in making five million sets. So almost $11 million next season, they got tied up in goaltenders. Okay, well, guess what? <laughs> Going into next offseason, they've got $24 million in cap space. Even half, our roster, two, half our roster is going to be UFA, RFA next year. Half. Yeah, but that's, there's no big ticket items. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's yeah. – no, I'm saying all that space is going to be opened up. Right. That's what I, I mean, was, yeah. Th- so, I mean, you, you don't have any huge re-signings that you have to worry about. So – Honestly, the Kings are going to be able to re-sign who they want as far as RFAs, UFAs, and they're still going to have enough money left over to go after a, a, a big fish, so to speak, mm-hmm. if they choose to go that route. They might not, but I mean, I'll tell you that offseason, uh, the UFAs for next offseason, have you seen that class that's coming through? I'm not all of them are going to make it. Sure. You know, to you, but wow, that could get really interesting really quick. And don't forget, if the salary cap goes up next year, which it might, because if that U.S. Uh, TV money starts kicking in, that means the Kings are going to have even more cap space available. So as far as anybody worrying about overpaying Cal Peterson, it's not an overpayment. And let's be honest, he kept the Kings in a lot of games last year that they had no business being in. Well, it's just high, really did. high danger save percentage was top three in the league, I think. Yeah. I mean, he did not have a good defensive team in front of him at all. Yeah. So obviously the metrics say that, as the Kings get better, he's only going to get better. And I'll tell you what, by the end of that deal, $5 million a year might be a steal. What do you oh, think, Russ? I'm a opponent. I didn't know it. Look at that. <laughs> I thought I thought actually Joe made a, a good comment about it. It's the team, they better be right. I mean, 
we're talking about a goalie who's only played the thing I'm, I got right here is 54 games in his whole career. So he hasn't even played a full season yeah. um, in the NHL. He's getting paid a $5 million contract. I mean, when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, that's actually quite a bit of money. But I mean, it, it, the we think about it, even with Deneau's contract, people are saying that's being an overpayment, but it's it's not really that much with where the salary cap is prior years. We have to think about those types of terms and, and money not being as much as it was in prior years. So, I mean, right now, it, the contract, it, they're putting a lot of trust into him, and it, he's he should get it because he does have that capability to be a number one uh, starting goaltender in the NHL. So if they're going to pay him top 20 uh, goal, I think he's the 19th highest contract for goaltenders in the NHL now. Um, he better be worth it, but and I, and I think he will be. So I think he right. will be. Well, because here's the thing, guys. If, if they didn't do this now and they let him go to unrestricted free agency, then what? If you lose him, who are you going to replace him with? Mm-hmm. No, the, the contract is – the timing of the contract is fine. I think my issue is this. We haven't seen him, like Russell said, play a full season. He's a smaller goalie, so the athletic goalies are usually tend to be more injury-prone, like quick, because they have to make more athletic skill plays in, in the ice. And and he has a lot of tread on his tires with the amount of pucks that he's faced. The rain teams that he was on were bad. He was averaging, what, like 45 shots a game on him. Notre Dame, he was doing the same thing in the Big Ten. So, like, there's a lot of pucks being thrown his way, especially last year with the Kings. Like, he had a lot of good high save percentages, but they, he still had a losing record. And, I mean, even though that top goalies like Robin Leonard had him as their, his top five goalie in the league, like, he's getting recognition. I just hope that it's not a running back situation for the NCAA where there's a lot of tread on his tires early before he's really had a chance to get settled in and, and a team that has a good defensive core that can be in front of him. And he's just not getting berated with pucks left and right. As far as the contract money and how it's set up with the signing bonus and everything like that, I really like it. Um, I know that Quick is going to be out here in a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think the split will probably be 50-32 this year uh, in favor of Peterson. Uh, and I think it, it's going to – The percentage is still hey. left over there. I don't know what you're Yeah, I was going to say, we're going to call somebody up from Ontario? Or, no, hey, that's, a, that's, 82, that's 82. Oh, all right. I thought you were talking about 50%. <laughs> all right. No, yeah. I was thinking you were going to say thing, Joe. I was like, wait a minute. I got you, no. Randy. I got you. Yeah, I, I wasn't yeah. very smart math, but I mean <laughs> – yeah, take take another sip of the take another sip of the alcohol and try to follow along. Got it. Uh, <laughs> but I think what it's, I think what it's going to do for for Quick is this is the same thing it did for Brown, right? And it's what's hopefully going to do for Kopitar this year. When you're bringing in somebody who's uh, capable to help you with the workload, his legs are going to be fresher. Quick's legs, his his mind is there, right? Quick's mind is there. It's just, his athletic ability needs to be there on a consistent basis. And if he's getting more rest in between his starts. His legs are going to be fresh. His and quick as doesn't want to lose. His tenacity is going to be higher. Like, hey, I want to prove myself even at this age that I got way more left in this tank. So every start he's going to get, he's going to have that tenacity. And you saw it from everybody at Kings Cap uh, Camp today about their quotes. Like, all of I have followers like, hey, we're going to st- start stepping on people's throats. I think that's quick as mentality, even though he doesn't speak a lot. So when he's going to get those starts, like he's going to want to show himself out. I think the 50-32 split is going to be pretty good. It's where it's not exactly 50-50. You're going to see Peterson get a lot of good games. But, you know, Quick is going to be there based on him being healthy this year, um, uh, you know, barring all that. Yeah, we hope so. I mean, that's – but there's also the whole starter mentality going to a backup mentality, and there's there's that too. Um, But, you know, you you mentioned that, you know, Cal has a losing record. Well, you can't blame the goaltender having a losing record – on a team that completely collapsed in the last month of the season. 
You can't no, do I don't. I don't blame him. His record on that. I think. I think like just like in football, wins are a team stat. Just like in hockey, I'm just saying like his stats from a, like an analytic standpoint were way better than his record. I guess that's what I should right. have okay. mentioned. Yeah. Um, so you know, especially you know, veterans going into different roles. We signed a veteran, Alex Edler, for the left side of our defense. What does that look like this year? We got a lot of bodies there. I know Joe's got some favorites. I know other people got some favorites. We got a two-time Stanley Cup winner in Mata, who is kind of just floating there. What does our left side of the defense look like? Will they keep 8D to, to avoid waivers? How do you guys f- see that thing uh, you know, scrapping up there, Scott? Well, I'll tell you what. I have a little unpopular opinion here. I'm not actually a huge fan of the Alex Edler signing. I'm not. Uh, I really okay, so next person. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's nothing against him or, or anything like that, but I, I see everybody expecting him to be a top four defenseman. He's not. He's not. I mean, here's the thing. You know, we're, we're, we want to point at stats. And we want to point at this. We want to point at that. Well, Alex Edler had eight assists last year total. Total. He didn't have a goal, right? So. He's, he's not going to be there for your, in your top four. It's just not going to happen. And I, and I really think that this year the Kings need to see what they have in Cal Clegg. They have to, because otherwise there's no other, there's no other way to see what, what, what's this, what this kid can do because there's so many other defensive prospects coming through the system. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. Edler's going to be great to have in the room. And you know what? Yeah, I mean, you can rotate him in as a sixth, seventh defenseman. That's that's fine because you got to keep him fresh. You cannot, you know, run him out there for 20, 22 minutes a game through the first, you know, quarter to half of the season, and then all of a sudden expect him to continue to excel throughout the season because simply it's not going to happen. You know, father time, right? But I, I just I think that we need to taper our expe- expectations with Alex Edler. I, I really do, and I think that if the season goes on and Cal Clay can stay healthy, I think there's going to be a pleasant surprise in store for everybody. I, I really, really do. So that's that's what I think. What do you think, Russ? Yeah, I mean, right now, the, the left side is, is a big question mark. I mean, you, you, like Scott mentioned, with the signing of Alex Hedler, this creates a logjam. You have Ole Mata, you have Cal Clay, Christian Willinen, uh, even Austin Strand was playing the left side today. So who knows really at this point, I, I've, I've made it known that Tobias Bjornfoot still waiver eligible. So could there be a possibility where he gets sent down to Ontario? Possibly. I mean, he was skating with Matt Roy again today, so they want to continue, have that continuity continue on from last season. I can see that happening, but where does that leave a Kale Clay? Where does that leave Christian, Christian or Oli Mata? They're still paying. Um, I think there's a real possibility that they do get try to trade away Ole Mata with the signing of Edler. I mean, Mata just didn't really fit. I mean, when they try to start him out in that first pair with Drew Doughty, it just didn't work at all. So, um, and then at times he was even playing at all, even if it was a healthy scratch. So, um, at this point, you like you mentioned, there is a possibility where they can create or where they um, carry eight defensemen. I can definitely see that happening um, with the waivers that Kale Clegg or that would require and Christian Milano would require. Those are players you don't really want to lose. So if you're going to carry eight defensemen to save those players, I, I'd be happy with that. What do you think, Joe? Uh, I love what Russ said because I think I alluded to it in, in one of the articles I'd written. I, I'm a Toby Bjornford guy, but if we're being honest and you look at his numbers, I don't know that he's done anything to necessarily say that he should be – he's left D2 uh, to start the season by any means, and not for me. Um 
Now, that doesn't mean that Clegg will automatically be better, but I would love to see him get the shot. Uh, and to Scott's point, you know, I, I guess I hadn't actually connected all the dots, but the more I think about it, and I'm looking on the left side of the D and, and, and all the guys that we've got, and it's like, you know, I kind of – you go through, it's like, you know, this Alex Abdul would make way more sense if Olimata wasn't here. Um, so for me, the, the way I see it shaking out or way, I, I guess I kind of hope it shakes out is the odd man out to me, I think is Olimata. Uh, I think it should be Olimata anyways. And if, if you can have that six, seven Edler be that six, seven, and then like that Clegg Bjorn for Edler kind of be the three guys to Scott's point, I do not want to see and do not think that Edler is a top four. I think he is a bottom pair D man um, where Bjornfoot and Clegg, may be able to do both if they can slot in when, when Edler's out. So I'd like to see them carry those guys because I think that that's kind of where the Kings are heading, but I don't think Bjornfoot should be a lock for the roster as much as I like the player. And I think there's still a future for him. Um, hey, maybe take advantage of the fact that he can go down um, and not have to clear waivers because I don't think he's done enough yet to just say that he, he should have the spot. Uh, you know, here's a here's a thought too with Olimata. You put him on waivers; it's a win-win, right? If he somebody else picks him up, you clear his in, his entire salary gone, right? If he doesn't clear and he goes to Ontario, I think the Kings only save like a million dollars off the cap hit. But that's not the point. The point is, is you'll have at least a veteran defenseman down in Ontario, ready to come up if they get hit with a rash of injuries again. Because again, you have to keep that in mind. Yep, nothing yep. ever goes as planned. I mean, we had what Mark Alt was playing a couple games in LA because of last season, because of injury. So maybe having Alimata waiting in the wings just in case is not a bad thing at all. Yeah, and Russ mentioned Wolanin, and I've got a personal favorite in Moverari. So right, forgot about him. There's guys that that the more you think about the, the the left side or potential left side, the more you're like. Man, why did they go get Alex Hedler? Right, your points, guy. Right. It's like, yeah, I, did, I guess I hadn't put it together like that, but it's it's kind of a log jam. But and, and it, you know, it's easy for me to say sitting in my basement. But I would say if there's an odd man out, that I, I think it's Olimata. I think it's a bit redundant, um, and I don't think he's had again. I don't think he's he's one that they need to hang their hat on by any means. So uh, you've got that veteran on the left side in 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 Adler if you if you really need that. Um, so we'll see how it shakes out. We'll see. Yeah. And you know what? And I'm one of those guys. I mean, I, I just, I think the training wheels have got to come off at some point with the prospects. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, yeah. you know, all right, enough of the, okay, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. It's go time because now the Kings are turning that corner to becoming a playoff contender. And you don't want to field a, or field, ice a team half rookies because you were waiting, waiting, and waiting. Well, we're going to let them develop a little bit more. We're going to let them develop a little more. Well, now all of a sudden it's time to make a playoff run. And you're looking at like, well, wait a minute, we got, a rookie here, we got a rookie here, we got a rookie here, we got a rookie here, and hope that it works out. Oh, put these kids in. Let them let them see what, what we got. Let me phrase let me phrase it to you this way for any of you guys. If we go into the season, I just keep saying we if the Kings go into the season. <laughs> hey, you're a fan, you're paying money. That's right. <laughs> with with two thirds of the left D as Mata and Adler. I think so. I think so. Yeah. I mean we're okay. we're, we're kind of like we when Scott mentioned his eight points from Edler last year, I mean just two years ago, he had over he had thirty three points in fifty nine games. So it's not like he's just like totally falling off a cliff here. He still has that ability to put up some points offensively. And even before that, I think he had thirty he had three straight seasons. Yeah, plus before that, yeah, yeah. 
30 point season. So he still has that ability to, and I think a lot of it is he didn't really play any power play time last year. So that definitely hampered his ability to offensively produce on the box score. So if I don't, I agree with you, Scott, that I don't think he's a top four defenseman anymore, but if you give him that opportunity to maybe give, give him top four minutes here and there and maybe save him on back-to-back games and then you keep him fresh throughout the season, I think you can bring in some offensive production in the back, back side. Well, he'll probably do a little bit better than eight points, but the, the fear that I have is he, uh, he's 35 years old, and once you start having those bad seasons, the, the, you know, the, the twilight is here, right? So, I mean, if, if it was a different story, if he's, you know, if a player is 28, 29 years old, has a bad season, they're like, well, there's a lot of room for rebound, right? But we're, let, let's be honest, we're getting near the end. And, you know, like Joe was just saying, the Kings have got an awful lot of defensive prospects that have got to get up there and see what we got. So, I mean, I think, like I said, Edler is going to be fantastic for the room. And you need those guys. You really do. You need the Matt Greens of the world. You need the Willie Mitchells of the world. No doubt about it. And that's why that, that on that end, it's a great signing. The only thing I'm saying is temper your expectations. There's just no way there's going to be, you know, top four minutes every night for him. There's, it can't happen. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it has to, it could have to do with uh, the amount of money they're paying everybody. You know, that, that might have something to do with it going forward and who makes the team. I know that he does uh, the penalty kill differently or better than a lot of players that we haven't because of his size. I know McDermott got a lot of playing time either out of necessity or from his size. So Edler might might have to play into that realm. But he had a lot of block shots last year more than anybody else on his team. And you need those guys on the penalty kill. You know, move, but Ruben right along because, you know, we could talk Kings hockey for three hours, but not everybody has that amount of time to listen to this podcast. Uh, who do you, uh, do you think we're making a bigger deal out of all the waivers that could possibly happen this year? Uh, I know Clegg is one of the, the big ones for everybody. I know Joe from Rivari, uh, but what do you think? Probably. I think right now it's not yeah. waivers are always, I mean, throughout the, throughout the season last year, I think we were making a bigger deal out of it because just the, the shortened season, the taxi squad and all that. But I mean, as far as this year, I think it's a lot easier for teams to kind of hide players on waivers just because the, you got so many players in training camp. Teams aren't looking to really add to that, their player pool right now. They're kind of looking to cut from their player pool and yeah. try to send players down to the minors. So if you're looking to, maybe hide a player in the waivers. I think it's more of a possibility for them to do that this year than, or at this time point of the season than there would during the regular season. Well, actually, you know what? It would actually benefit the Kings to lose a couple of players because they're at max contracts right now. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say benefit. I mean, I don't want to have a Thomas Hickey situation where we just, you just lose a good defenseman for nothing. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I don't talking, about, I'm talking about overall. I'm just saying that, you know, they're going to have to trim. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. And some guys are going to get lost. It's just the way it is. I mean, we talked about this before, Ross. Like, was that musical chairs on ice? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just going to be, there's only so many chairs. And if you have too many dancers, some go to the sidelines. It's, it's unfortunately the way it is. Speaking of a lot of dancers for the Kings organization, we have a lot of centers, but who will be the opening night centers for the team? Let's start with Scott. Uh, well, I think I've already said this, but uh, Kopitar, Dano, Byfield, and Jad. What do you think about you, Joe? Uh, I'm going to go Kopitar, Dano, Velarde, and Lazat. Okay. And I don't Russell? think that's a popular opinion at all, but no, I, I actually, I, I, I almost kind of agree with you there. And I, I think, I think the question mark 
we're talking about is probably Blake Lazat because yeah. I mean, from where everything is shaping out today, it sounds like Velarde is going to stick in the center position, and obviously you have Dano and Kopitar one too. I just so, don't think Byfield makes the team. That's where that's coming from. Yeah, and I, I don't think so as well. And I, I think I've mentioned I mentioned it in the article. I just wanted to see a little bit more from Byfield sure. um, throughout this weekend, and, and that's not to say he played bad, but I just think it wouldn't hurt his. I mean, we could talk about that for a little bit longer, but right, right. as far as injury. To, yeah, I think it was more precautionary than anything. I, I didn't stick around for the group six right. skate, so I didn't know if he was on there. I, the presser was going on during that time. So um, I think it was just more precautionary, more of an illness at that point. But No, um, I was talking about the rookie tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, But as far as Lazat, I think it's it's tough to say because a lot of Kings fans really kind of look at Lazat as almost like uh, he doesn't really do much. He doesn't really put the puck in the net. But he's still a really good defensive uh, fourth-line yes. center, and, and, and that's really what he is as an NHL player. He's not a power play player. He's not a first, second-line winger. Or he's going to just play good defensive, and he has good defensive metrics. So he does. I can definitely see him starting out as the 4C and maybe even have Jod move to the side. Who knows? I wouldn't mind seeing Jod move to the wing because it's not, you know, I, it, or again, he. I don't think he has to clear. He can go down to to Ontario, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I know the fans. I think they they I think Jod's become a bit of a, a fan favorite. I get that, but he shot twenty percent, I think, last year. So that yeah, was ridiculous. So. If if his if his you know shooting percentage settles, which I'm sure it will, I mean, all of a sudden the goals dry up, and you're looking at a player that analytically from a possession standpoint and an expected goal standpoint was not nearly as good as Blake Lazat was. So, mm-hmm. and it's not like, I just, I, he brings a fourth line stable role for me, mm-hmm. Lazat that is. So it's boring. It may not be sexy and it's probably not popular, but that's, that's my, that's my shout. Yeah. I think, I think money will have a lot to do with this and just sending people down willy nilly, even though I'm a proponent of playing the best player available but I think it's going to be Kopitar, Janot, Velarde, and uh, Lazat as well. I just, with the fact that Jack can go down, you know, pe- players like Wagner making a million dollars to play in the AHL or, or you know, uh, you know those types of guys. I just don't think I think they'll see what's going on, and we'll see more movement within the lineup come November. Is kind of what I think. Uh, go moving on. Obviously, Kotar is our number one. He's our best guy. He's guy wearing the C. Uh, a lot of people are expecting to see some shake up in the top line. What do you guys think? Joe, you want to start with this one up? Uh, well, I would have said because uh, he he's made comments in the past by likes playing with I follow and Brown, so I would have expected that. But I think he made some comments today in the in the press that I think he expects, unless I misread it, that he is expecting to start the season with with Arvinson and Brown. So I'll go with that. Uh, if that's what it sounds like uh, is going to be, then so be it. I mean, they said so. Uh, they had to split up a bit of I follow and Brown toward the end of the season, and you know, I, as I said, I don't think I follow's production is quite there for a top line role. So, uh, especially if he's kind of tipped the cards a bit, uh, I can see Brown and Arvidsson going there. What do you think, Scott? I got to agree with what Joe said, and just for the simple <laughs> fact that you have a brand new two line or second line center. I mean, obviously, Gabe's not going to be in that role, and they're going to have to figure out who works best with the no during training camp. That's a given. Right. We know that that Kopitar and Brown are peanut butter and jelly. Right. They're, you, you can't beat that combination. And obviously you bring in Victor Arvidsson to skate with Kopi. He, he needs a finisher. So I think that's that's a very valid point, Joe. Who ends up with Deneau? That's going to be a mystery. 
We don't know. I mean, that's going to be for the coaching staff to decide. And it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. There's no doubt yeah. about it. I mean, get the roulette wheel out and just place your bets. Place your bets, right? <laughs> but uh, I think top line, yeah, I, I agree with Joe. It'll be Arbertson, Kovatar, Brown. What do you think, Russ? Yeah, I actually really like what they did uh, coming out of camp today. Um, Todd, we'll go back to what he said about not really taking taking the lines with a grain of salt, but I really love that they kept Brown and Kopitar together. I mean, Brown just put up one of the best goals per game scoring rates of, the, of, of his entire career, so why break that chemistry up? And now you have Arvidsson that we have always uh, – most of us kind of penciled him on the right side, but now you have him on the left side where I was actually talking with Jesse Cohen at the rink today, and he was kind of like rumbling that, man, there's a lot of uh, players playing in their off hands on, on the lineup. And I was like – and I was thinking to myself, I really like that. I mean, you when you play on the offhand, you give yourself a lot more room for creativity coming down the wing, and that's exactly the type of player that Arvidsson is. I mean, we've seen the dangles that he does, he does, and we can and you kind of give you give him the opportunity to maybe butt hook along the half boards and maybe find some open player coming in as well. So to have him playing on his offside on his offhand on the left side with Kopitar and Brown, I think that's a really viable option on the first line and can maybe generate a lot of scoring. Yep. The, the, the good thing that you say about that is, like you said, it, it opens up the middle of the ice. And then when you guys have – when we have a shooter like VA who can release that puck at a moment's notice, there you go. Come down the left side. Mm-hmm. Now, I, you know, when you're playing in the modern NHL, there's – you know, the, you know it doesn't really matter wing versus center in, in most parts. Uh, that's a lot of defensive responsibility or who's taking the faceoffs. But it allows him on the rush to, to take that puck and decide whether he wants to go to the middle or not. So I think that's a good idea. I, I was kind of feeling before the camp today that it would be I follow in Arvidsson just because I feel like if we're allowing Kopitar to open up the offensive ability, you need somebody to do the dirty work, and I follow is willing to do that. Is Brown willing to do that in his old age? Is he is he willing to do that kind of stuff to set up Kopitar uh, to allow him to be the offensive player that he is? I don't know. We'll see how that works out. Or Kopitar does all the dirty work, and he has two scores on both sides. Um, I think like Brown, the- Brown has certainly proven that he's willing to go into the corner still. There's, I mean, look at his hits total from last year. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, I got, I'm kind of curious, guys, to see where Adrian Kempe ends up out of all mm-hmm. this. That's going to be the big, the, the one to watch right there. Yep. Yeah. There was a lot of things going on with Kempe that I think is, is very irrelevant. When, he's, when he played with a lot of people who, when he was a senior member and he could drive his play and not a lot of people, he wasn't deferring to a lot of other players. He showed that excellence. And so maybe he will be on, you know, the third line left wing with, with Filardi and then maybe a veteran like Athens EU and kind of have that kind of like super fast line where Velarde can access his shot. Who knows? We'll see how that works out. Uh, going on, moving on here. Uh, we talked about a lot of our free agent signings. Who are you guys most excited about? Uh, obviously, we've heard some reservations about some of the signings there. And kind of what are your expectations on on the three guys that we signed in the offseason? Uh, we'll start with Russell this time. Uh, yeah, I think I'm just most excited with what Dano can bring. I, I mean, I've beat the drum with Kachev, obviously, but I think I'll talk <laughs> more about, about <laughs> Phil Dano. And it's just – it's. It's, it's not only what he can bring as far as defensive ability and, and his play driving capability. I think it's just what's going to open up for Andre Kopitar because, I mean, Kopitar has just been really hampered with the, all these defensive responsibilities these past few seasons because there's really no one, no other center that is able to do that. So now that you give him more opportunity to start offensive, offensive zone draws, 
as far as opposed to maybe all these defensive zone draws that he's had to take in the past few seasons, that's just going to open up more scoring chances for him. And I'm excited what Deneau can um, open up for him this season. Joe? Yeah, I mean, I would say Deneau, it's funny. I think Deneau's a guy I'm probably most excited about, but at the same time a little nervous. But I think that's because um, I saw the contract. It's like the, the dollars, again, like it said earlier to Scott, the dollars don't bother me. It's like, is it too many years? But I'll worry about that later. For now, I'm going to be excited about Deneau because I, I really do like him as a, as a 2 seed. Love what he brings 5-on-5, five five, which is where the Kings – desperately need help is five on five scoring. And I think he's an under the radar uh, playmaker at, at that level. So I'm very excited about him um, probably as much as anybody. I mean, I think it's easy to get excited about a high goal scorer like Victor Arvidsson and the career he's had putting pucks in that, but uh, I'll go with Russ here too. And, and I'm excited about to see what Deneau can do. And it's been, a, it'd be a solid two C that the Kings haven't had behind Kopi in, in a while, really. What do you think, Scott? Are we staying, are we doing three for three or are you switching it up? Nope. No. Uh, <laughs> of course no, not, no right? chance. No, nah, I can't. I can't agree with you. you can't have too many kumbaya moments around here. It doesn't work. Uh, no, I. you know what? Great points. Great points. Uh, but to me, you know, we know what to expect from Philip Deneau. We know what to expect from Victor Robertson. We know what to expect from Alex Edler. But Russ, now after listening to you for weeks on end, <laughs> now I'm excited about Tatev. I, I can't help it. Now I want to see what this Now we got the brotherhood going. going. Yeah, let's you know, it's, it's You know, Russ, I, I already told you, you're the president of his fan club. You know, let me know what the membership is. I'll, I'll buy in. No problem. But it's, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see where he ends up. And you know what? Maybe if he does end up on that second line, as you know, and if they basically say, listen, go out there and make the plays. Do what you do best. Mm-hmm. That could be really, really interesting. Dano will help your help your your six, and he'll be there defensively, just make all the plays you can make, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just want to say to I think Russ had said and Randon alluded to, Andre Kopitar led the Kings last year, led the Kings forwards last year, and defensive zone starts. Mm-hmm. So yeah. even if you yeah. turn that a little bit. <laughs> He had almost yeah. double the amount of faceoffs as the next player on his team. Double. Yeah. So like, mm-hmm. it's just crazy. And as I, I recall, they were in the defensive zone quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they were. Yes, they were. I don't recall because I had too many beers by the third period. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I think I, I'm going to go with VA on this, and the reason being is that I'm excited for the power play, and we it showed that the power play was successful in the beginning part of the season. So the the scheme and and the way their team and Todd McClellan has had a top power play for for many years and, and every single one of his uh, um, teams. And I think that you see that we don't have a lot of our shooters don't line up in the, what like Ovi's kitchen, as you call it for the, for the one timers. I know FERC was supposed to be that way. Um, but I like the fact that it seems like VA is going to have more of that kind of that be that dirty score on five on five, but we should unleash him with his allowing him to be on that half wall allowing him to take one-timers and, and snipe the corners from there. And if he's playing on the first power play, that means you have Kopi on the other half wall, who also has a good shot that he doesn't use a lot. And you could play that, you know, titter-tat back and forth when the defenders start to shrink in and the puck starts moving too fast for their legs. I, I'm really excited for that because I think the, the Kings were relevant when the power play was good. And then when it didn't go good, our 5-on-5 wasn't enough to keep up. So I think with the no, the 5-on-5 will be there. I think uh, Arvidsson will help uh, the power play. So, you just brought up a very interesting name that we all kind of forgot about was Martin Furk. Martin, right, yeah, yeah. Right. Persona non grata right now. Yeah. 
But you know what? Does he make the, the team out of out of camp? You never know. I mean, he's got to clear waivers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, does it? Does he? Does he put enough presence in the lineup on the power play to warrant that? Because well, if you're standing they, in front of the shot, he does. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, we'll see there. I mean, there's like a lot of players, and I think scoring is going to be relevant for everybody. And we have a lot of prospects, especially like Russell said, Turcotte could to do a lot of the gritty work in his young career and move up to more of a skill player, more of that uh, silk to the sandpaper as his career moves on. And, and we have a lot of guys that can do the, the third or fourth line minutes, but we've got to put the puck in the net to win. And I know that's obvious, but it hasn't really been apparent for our franchise in the last couple of years to have just that, that awesome scoring touch. Um, you know, with all the, what we said, have the Kings done enough, to increase the scoring consistently on the five on five consistently on the power play to, to win games, not just by holding on, but win games definitively. What do you think, Joe? I'm going to say it depends. I think if they, if the opening night roster has, and I keep saying this, but has I follow Brown Kempe as three of your top four wingers, I think it's not going to be good enough. I think they're, they're going to be really then depending on the bottom six to be deep enough to maybe add some scoring to the bottom six, which is possible. That's fair. But I just think there's not enough production offensively from Kempe and I follow. Um, I'm fine to keep one or two of those guys in there, but I, they have to mix somebody in, whether it's Vlad or my personal choice of Kaliev. Something's got to get mixed in there, in my opinion, to – make that a bit better five on five what do you think russ yeah i i actually agree with uh joe here i i'm kind of i don't want to say they did i mean at, at this point i mean yeah bringing in arbison's definitely going to help he was a mm-hmm. former 35 plus goal scorer i mean so he definitely has that ability to and to is a play driving forward but he doesn't really put the puck in the net himself so have they done enough to address scoring even on five on five or on the power play I guess a lot of it has to do with what Kachev can bring. Um, and I think uh, also seeing today, they had uh, Kaliev playing alongside Vlardy and Moore. So who knows? I think if Kaliev does make the roster and if he shows that he is ready to make the jump to the NHL roster, that's not only going to help maybe five-on-five five scoring, but that's definitely going to help them during the power play. I mean, we're talking about, when we're talking about Obi's kitchen, we might be talking about Kaliev's kitchen in about 15 yeah. years. I mean, with his shot, that's that's exactly – yeah, that's money. Toss that's up the exactly, pies right there. Yeah, that's exactly what he can do. I mean, he's got a wicked NHL shot. That'd probably be the best shot on the Kings roster right yes. now. I mean, there's not a lot of players that can put the puck in that like Arthur Kaliev can. So if he makes the roster, I think that might help quite yeah, a bit. Two, two quick things, sorry. But um, one with Kaliev, you, I've seen it. And Scott, I don't know if you if you get a lot of Buffalo games, but I see the same all, thing all the time. Victor Olofsson, yes. a little shaky five-on-five. What he can do on the power play is Bingo. lethal, and Kaliev mm-hmm. can bring that. It's a whole other reason that I think he should he should be there is is what he can do. And the other point that Russ was getting to, I I, I want to say they've done enough because they've improved. But let's remember the Kings were third worst five on five scoring last year. So, I, okay, they've improved, but improved to what? Is it improved enough to a playoff level, or is it improved enough to be out of the bottom ten? Scott, exactly. Uh, no, you know what, uh, Joe? I totally 100% agree with you. Um, Kaliev had better be there opening night. That's Because, like I said, Kaliev is the one that he, even more than Byfield, doesn't benefit from getting sent back down to the A. 
And I'll tell you, this is another part of the reason why when they signed Edler to a three and a half million dollar contract for one season, my head almost exploded because here your need is to create offense. You need goals. And right in the middle of all this, there's a guy named from St. Louis named Vladimir Tarasenko that wanted out. Right. So you took three and a half million dollars off your cap that you could have put towards bringing Tarasenko in. Regardless of his, you know, okay, I understand the injury history. I get it. I understand. But he's only got two years left on his contract. And this year, you had to figure out how to make it work. You very well can. Look at all these other teams that have made the cap work. No big deal. Do Next season is not even going to be an issue. I have, a thing, I have a question. You think the Kobe situation scared them away from taking a chance on a score with a with a up-in-the-air situation? I mean, Kobe was, he hasn't been in the league in a while, and Tarasenko is injury. No, because Tarasenko is, what, 29 years old? I, I don't think that's an issue, to be honest with you. And especially with only two years left on his contract. Um, well, and at that, at that potential big-time trade acquisitions. I'll just yeah, I, exactly. And you, because it's like we keep talking about, not all of these kids are going to play in L.A. It's just not going to happen. So your, your major need was goal scoring. They could have addressed that. But, I mean, okay, so, I mean, obviously it's all hindsight 2020. And who knows? Maybe it could still happen at the trade deadline, right? Don't forget about that. Because if St. Louis is, you know, fading fast, okay, now maybe they're going to, okay, this isn't going to work. Vlad, you want out? Fine. We'll make it happen. And especially if you notice they brought Peter Shirelli in, who was kind of like almost the kiss of death for franchises. (laughs) I don't know if you guys saw that or not. But uh, (laughs) anyways, um, so, yeah, Joe – Totally yeah, agree. Right. Yeah, I think. Oh, I think, I'm, I think I'm, Russell going. I'm right with Russell. I'm with. Now Russell. We're talking. I'll, I'll be. I'll be. Yeah, uh, what do you do at center? I don't know. I'll be premier positivity in here, and I think that I think that Velarde's <laughs> going to help with a little bit of the shooting. I think that we might have one of the best uh, center depths in the the Pacific next year, maybe top two or top three. I know you have McDavid, Drysaddle, and Vegas has got some good center depth, but we could be from one to four. Uh, top three in the, the Pacific and it all drives through center. And as long as the dot can get figured out for a lot of these young guys, I think the five on five will benefit. And then you just got to figure out what the wings go on. So that's just me being hypothetical and being positive about the situation. And I know that doesn't always work out because, you know, I made some predictions last year that didn't come true, but it, it, it all happens from the center in. And I think that the the depth there with the amount of options they could try and the wingers with Vlad and, and VA coming in, as well that can put some pucks in the net or create creativity, it could happen and it's going to be better. And I think it's going to be good enough to in the weak division that we're in to lead into my next question, where I think we do finish third in the Pacific. Um, I do think that we, it's not going to be pretty all year, but I think that Pacific is pretty weak to where we finish third. I don't know what you guys think. Uh, we'll start with Russell here about where do the Kings finish in the division and, and do you see them creating waves in the Pacific? I mean, yeah, we all see the Pacific Division where it's kind of shaping up. I think we can all pencil in uh, the Golden Knights to win the division, Um, Edmonton, uh, Vancouver. I mean, there's a lot of question marks with those Western Canadian teams. I mean, you look at what Vancouver's done defensively. It's just like I have no idea what's going on up there. I don't even think the general management knows. I mean, you have OEL. I just saw him bag skate today. It looked like he was crawling back to the blue line. It was just scary. So, I mean, there's a lot of question marks. So, I mean, I think there's a real possibility for this team to finish third and vie for a playoff spot this season. Joe? 
I think that Vegas is the class of the division. Obviously, I'm gonna. They've got a lot of question marks, but Edmonton is probably right now number two. And I think there's a just a clog of teams. Like I think Calgary's probably better than they showed last year. I don't know what exactly Vancouver's doing, but like this year might be better than the next few. They might still have another year that's okay. I think LA is right in that mix. I know Seattle is getting some love from from some people. So I think those four teams, I think it's there for the taking. Uh, I don't know that I would predict LA to necessarily come out of that and finish third, but it's there for the taking. I think mm-hmm. I definitely think San Jose and Anaheim are not as good as the that kind of middle grouping I just mentioned, but um, there's an opportunity for LA to make a playoff push, um, which is kind of why you know I, I want them to really do. I mean, I'm sure they are like doing the nitty gritty on every single roster position the way we kind of are as we're trying to break through it because every point is going to be crucial. Scott, I actually think LA could finish as high as second. Uh, I'm not complete. I mean, yeah, Vegas is a great team. They've got they've got question marks. True. They're, they're, I don't think they're as strong down the middle as anybody thinks they are. Who's their number one center? Chandler Nobody knows. Stevenson. Yeah. William Carlson? Who? Right? Mark Stone, maybe? No, he's a winger. So, I mean, that's it, Vegas is not that strong down the middle. Edmonton did nothing to improve themselves in the offseason. They needed to get goaltending. I'm sorry. not No disrespect intended to Mike Smith. But he's not going to carry him to the Stanley Cup. It's not going to happen. And, I mean, I think trading away Ethan Bear was a mistake. I think letting Larson go in the exp- – I, I think that they weakened their defense, and that's their, their biggest problem. So, to be honest with you, if the cards fall right, of course, I mean, and again, and nothing goes as planned. But if the Kings can bring up some of their prospects, integrate them in the lineup, and these prospects are as good as advertised, L.A. could be a juggernaut this year in this division. Not saying they're going to win it. <laughs> But I That's exactly what he's saying. Everybody draw it down. <laughs> Scott is saying first Put in the division. Put some money on it. Put some money on it. Right? Yeah, and if you lose, uh, I, you don't know me. But, yeah. <laughs> but I think L.A. has just as good a shot as anybody. Joe, you mentioned it. The center depth is phenomenal. they got to figure the wings out. they got to figure out who's going to be where. But they've got enough on defense, especially if Drew Doughty keeps playing the way he did last year. And I think he's going to because you know what? It's motivated Drew time. Yeah, he's got it. It he really wants is. to make Canada's roster. He really does. Yeah, so uh, then we need to have the Olympics every year. But it's, yeah. <laughs> but it's no, that's fair uh, for Edmonton to be in that that bunch that I had in. Right, it's probably fair that Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, LA, Seattle. It's probably all those guys vying for the the second spot. And you know what? And I think I think people got a little high on Seattle because they got nervous. They didn't want to look like fools like they did after Vegas, right? <laughs> <laughs> they went, oh no, Vegas is in their inaugural season. Well, they're going to finish with 60 points. They're going to stink. Oh, wait a minute. Well, oh, Seattle's coming in. Oh no, they're going to win the division. I don't want to like be that guy again. Right. So, <laughs> but well, no, I, I think seriously, I think, uh, I think the Kings can actually finish as high as second. You just saw can- what you just saw what la- happened last year with Minnesota. One player, Kirill Kaprasov made that team a juggernaut team right. or, or a relevant team. And it, we have the top prospect pool by many people. All it takes is one guy. It could be a free agent signing like Vlad uh, or VA, or it could be a prospect coming up and taking that that step. And what Joe and I said in the last uh, Making a Rain podcast is that, you know, progression isn't linear. It, it, it It's not linear from year to year. Somebody could take a massive jump and they just get it this year and they're a juggernaut for the Kings. And with the, the division as weak is the weakest division, I think probably in hockey by most people, 
that means there's a lot of room to jump up and it could be something that that happens for the Kings here. Um, man, it's been a great episode. We got a little lightning round coming up for the next two minutes and then we call it quits, guys. Let's see what we got here. So uh, let's go over and under 85 points for Kobe. We'll go from right to left. So we'll go Scott, Joe, Russell on each of these topics. 85 points for Kobe. 85? Over, under. Over. Under. Yeah, I say under. Good number, though. Yeah, it's a good number. I mean, I think there's just more of an even distribution. I don't think it's just that's a problem. I think. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Over, I just under. Think, I think it's over because he's going to have less defensive responsibilities with Dino around. Yeah. Over, under right. 50 games played for Byfield. You know what my answer is over. <laughs> I'm going to say over, but I don't feel as confident as I did maybe a week ago. Way under. Okay. Way under. All right. Goals. Over under 25 for Victor Arvidsson. Ooh. I say over. I'm going to say over. It's a good number, though. I think it's right in that mid 20s. I'm going to say yep. under because we don't know where, where he's playing just yet. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go over under 50 points for Vlad Vachkev here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm we'll going over. We'll You're going over? Over. <laughs> over. I'm going to say, sure. I'm going to say under just first year. Well, I want to see it first, but I sure as hell hope it's over. Same thing under, but I hope it's over. Sorry, Russ. <laughs> just a, just a quick, Russ is going to go over 150. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> 50 points. I mean, for, I mean, for a player that's been playing in the pros yeah. for a couple of years, that's, Fair. it's really not that much in an 82 yeah. game season. And the reason I keep mentioning him along with the Calder trophy race this year is because I mean, who's the big Calder players that are coming up this year Caulfield and then maybe that's it I mean Caulfield really Zagers have the best odds right yeah Point exactly and it's like I mean there's no you're not there's not really that Austin Matthews coming in his rookie Spencer year there's no Connor McDavid coming in rookie right year well the goalies always get I feel like how old is he anyway who Kachev yeah 25 25 25 I think he turns 26 like a week after the eligibility so okay I was but, just yeah. gonna say is he gonna get hit with the Sergey McCarroff rule or what <laughs> yeah he'll be 26 before the season starts Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. All right. And the last one with our boy that who who everybody expected a lot from last year, over and under 45 points for Velarde. I'll tell you what. I've been banging the drum for Velarde his whole career. I'm going over. I'll go under. Yeah, that's tough. Oh, man. I'm going to say under. But I'm going to say he does 30, 30 plus 30 assists. How about that? No. He just doesn't score a lot. Okay. Shoot the puck, Gabe. <laughs> yeah. Any 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 king this year has a chance to get it, take home a trophy. Who would you give it to? Like a, a season award for the NHL. Ooh. You gotta look no, at you the got Selkie. your Calder pick. You got to look, you know, you gotta look at the Selkie. I mean, if if the Kings make the playoffs, it's because Kobitar and Deneau are just having an incredible year. So yeah. that's what I'm saying. Deneau for the Selkie if if the Kings make the playoffs. And yeah. I'm just going to sprinkle or, or, a Cal Peterson. If the Kings yeah, that's what I was going to say. If the, Kings make the, playoffs, if the Kings make the playoffs, mm-hmm. he could be a big reason why, too. Yeah. Or they can split the Jennings, him and Quickie. Or, and hey, listen, if the Kings <laughs> make the playoffs, maybe Todd McClellan is up for oh, there you Hey, go. There, you there you go. There you go. Good like boy. I like it. T-Mac getting some love. I like it. Coach. <laughs> <laughs> Well, man, man, guys, it's been a great, uh, great session here. Obviously, we're all excited about the Kings hockey. 
I know I'm going to be seeing the the Dallas game when they come here for the Dallas home opener. Uh, we're going to try to catch them a lot of games this year. I know Russell's going to be deep in the the analysis of all the, all of our players here and and buying that uh, the Vlad jersey day one. I'm sure. <laughs> That's right. Um, but uh, I just want to thank you guys all for coming on. Obviously, this is hockey royalty here. Uh, you guys can go to hockeyroyalty.com or at hockey underscore royalty on Twitter. Uh, Scott, where where can they find you? Uh, well, we actually can find us on Facebook too, and our new YouTube channel, which has Russ's awesome hype video. By the way, if you, <laughs> you watch this video, if you're not ready for the season by watching that video, you are ready now. Let me tell you, so, not gonna beer and wa- throw that bad boy on. We're ready to go. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Joe, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at JW Paterino. And Russell? Yeah, on Twitter at NHL Russell. I also have a TikTok that oh. I'm I'm one of those. I don't know he's if you've seen that Steve kids. Buscemi meme where he's like in high school. He's like, how's it going, kids? <laughs> it's pretty much me on there. But yeah, trying my best on it. Yeah, You're not dancing, some, are you? Some flossing and stuff. I understand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You want to keep it real. Yeah. <laughs> How old is the floss now, by the way? I don't even think that's a thing anymore. I don't Which know. Yeah. With, with no. Fortnite, I guess it's probably a thing for a long period of time. Only seven-year-olds can tell. Um, well, I thank you guys for coming on. Obviously, we hope for the great season. Obviously, we're going to see what's going on in camp and have more content for you guys coming out. So please check out all the articles, all the podcasts. I know Joe and I are going to have another episode of Making It Rain uh, coming out here soon. And obviously, you know, more episodes and more guests. So thank you guys for coming out. Appreciate you guys. And as always, go Kings go.